21 years ago this Tuesday, on February the 19th, 1998, a surveillance network intercepted this cryptic exchange, the content of which would herald a realisation that what is might not be what we think it is. Yeah. Is everything in place? You weren't supposed to relieve me. I know, but I felt like taking a shift. You like him, don't you? You like watching him. Don't be ridiculous. We're gonna kill him. You understand that? Morpheus believes he is the one. Do you? It doesn't matter what I believe. You don't, do you? Did you hear that? Hear what? Are you sure this line is clean? Yeah, of course I'm sure. I better go. When The Matrix, written and directed by the Wachowski siblings, was released on March 31st, 1999, a game soon sprung up amongst film buffs, where the aim was to identify as many film references or homages as possible. Akira, Beauty and the Beast, The Crow, Dark City, Enter the Dragon, Fist of Legend, Ghost in the Shell, Hard Boiled, Iron Monkey, Johnny Mnemonic, The Karate Kid. And that brings us only to the letter K. There's so many, it's hard to remember them all. This is going to be very difficult for you to accept, Mr. Quaid. I'm listening. I'm afraid you're not really standing here right now. You know, Doug, you could have fooled me. I'm quite serious. You're not here, and neither am I. That's amazing. <laughs> Where are we? At recall. You're strapped into an implant chair, and I'm monitoring you from the psychoprobe console. Ah, I get it. I'm dreaming. And all this is part of the delightful vacation your company has sold me. Right? Not exactly. What you're experiencing is a freeform delusion based on our memory tapes. But you're inventing it yourself as you go along. In the years since, a corresponding game was to list the films that referenced it. Amazones, Bad Boys, Charlie's Angels, Daredevil, The Educators, Flipside, Goodbye Lennon and Hellboy. And those account only for a fraction of the films that came in the first five years after its release. Five years of research and construction, Gregory. Five years! The Bureau doesn't look kindly on failure. There will be no failure, General. I promised her Hitler and Miracle. I'll deliver one. Then for the literary crowd, there is Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Published in 1865, Carroll may have written it for children, but he also underpinned the fantasies with serious intellectual rigour. Over a century later, William Gibson published Neuromancer, a novel that actually coined the terms cyberspace and cyberpunk. And a decade after Gibson, in 1994, Kevin Kelly published his non-fiction book Out of Control, which was somewhat unnoticed when it first came out, but as the decade wore on, and the term globalization slipped into common usage, Out of Control became a must-read for anyone interested in the new economy. More of which later. In another key, and given that the Wachowskis themselves had written comic books for Marvel, it shouldn't come as a surprise that that literary form heavily influenced not just the film's look, but also the characters. Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, a comic book series which first appeared in 1994, has a secret group battling physical and psychic oppression. Then, for the spiritualists, there was the Bible for Christians, Sanskrit for Buddhists, the promise of Zion for Jewish people, and for Gnostics, the Nag Hammadi scriptures. For conspiracists, there was Philip K. Dick and his 44 novels and over 120 short stories, which probed the paranoia of being. As for the philosophical crowd, you had Plato's Cave, Descartes' Meditations, 
Kant's Critique of Pure Reason and Baudrillard's Simulacra and Simulation. As for Big Pharma, they salivated over the red and blue pills, wondering just how much money they could make off both of them, or neither, but trick us into thinking they gave us something. I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. And then there were the techies and coders, digital mice who recognised the future as an arrangement of zeros and ones. And it was they who took the Sermon on the Mount, rewrote it as algorithm and proclaimed, the geek shall inherit the earth. But the irony is that when the age of the internet dawned, almost all of it celebrated in the democratisation of knowledge, the decentralisation of authority, friction-free commerce, open access to information. And as the good book tells us, the truth shall set you free. The only problem is that there's so much information out there, it can easily be corrupted. And then facts become... You're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts. Blue pill indeed. Undoubtedly, the internet has expanded, if not exploded, our lives in a myriad of ways. Besides supposedly making our lives so much easier to navigate, it has, amongst other things, given rise to the greatest disparity between rich and poor in the history of the planet. On the Blu-ray edition of the film, there are several commentary tracks, one of the most interesting being a discussion between Todd McCarthy of Variety magazine, John Powers of Vogue and David Thompson, author of among several other titles, The Biographical Dictionary of Cinema. Thompson points out that while The Matrix offers up a terrifying dystopic vision of the future, it more than deftly skates around the reason why things went wrong. By contrast, dystopian novels such as Brave New World, Animal Farm, 1984, The Man in the High Castle, The Handmaid's Tale, The Children of Men and Battle Royale, and dystopian films The Mad Max and Terminator series, Twelve Monkeys, AI and WALL-E, all identify the tipping point when civilization crumbled. Whether it be political, industrial or ecological, the Wachowskis studiously ignore what catastrophe might have impacted on human evolution. For Thompson, this is a weakness in the film, and here he is giving an example of a filmmaker who would have, at least, attempted to posit a cause for the dystopia. We were talking earlier off-camera about Jean-Luc Godard. Godard, I think, would say, you've got to address what went wrong. And indeed, in many ways, that's what his work has tried to do over the decades. Because uh, if you don't do that, then you're simply making something that diverts you from the problem. In other words, the film is only superficially interested in the problem, while its true interest lies in the surface of things, the way it looks. And while it always looks striking, and while it does offer some of the most memorable action sequences ever put on screen, the way it looks is only the way it looks. It is superficial. Yes, there is the contrast between the old and the new. The police officers at the start look as though they have stepped out of a 1960s American TV show, while Neo's office is a perfect recreation of a 1990s corporate workspace. By contrast, consider how Ridley Scott imbued layers of meaning into Blade Runner, merely by mixing old and new designs to retrofit Los Angeles 
into a permanent state of decay. Similarly, the matrix mixes German Expressionist camera angles with deep noir lighting while intermingling cutting-edge bullet-time CGI with slow-motion gun battles reminiscent of the Wild Bunch. Yet it adds nothing to what Sam Peckinpah had to express about violence. The world of the Matrix is both sleek and modern, yet tattered and old, which again gets us nowhere near answering the question that Thompson asked, and the Wachowskis avoided. But perhaps the siblings avoided trying to answer it, because while the unnamed catastrophic event had happened sometime in the film's backstory, the actual corresponding catastrophic event had not yet happened in history. When setting sci-fi in the future, the challenge all storytellers face is whether they are boldly predicting things to come, or whether they are presenting a precaution. Either way, while the Wachowskis did set the film in the future, thus positioning the story in the cyberpunk subgenre of sci-fi, by setting it after an apocalyptic event, suggests they were delivering a prophecy. That catastrophe happened between the time the original film was released in 1999 and the sequels were released some four years later. We have only bits and pieces of information, but what we know for certain is that at some point in the early 21st century, all of mankind was united in celebration. We marveled at our own magnificence as we gave birth to AI. AI? You mean artificial intelligence? A singular consciousness that spawned an entire race of machines. We don't know who struck first, us or them, but we know that it was us that scorched the sky. The catastrophe was economic. Dr. Shoshana Zuboff is faculty associate at Harvard Law School and has spent the last few decades studying the increase in digital technology and how it impacts on capitalism. Last month, Zuboff published The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, in which she lays out the three main phases in the history of free enterprise, and the catastrophe in 2001 which catapulted us beyond the hypercapitalism that we'd seen in the end of the 20th century and into the phase of surveillance capitalism of the new millennium. Here she is last month in interview with Leo Laporte on the Triangulation channel, which can be accessed on YouTube. The first was the idea that you could take human activity that lived outside the market and bring it into the market and call it labor, and you could price it. The second was the idea of nature, that you could take the land and the trees and all of that, and you could bring it into the market and call it real estate, or call it land, and you can buy it and sell it. And the third was the whole idea of exchange, which subordinated to the market now became money. So fast forward to the 21st century surveillance capitalism, here was the big discovery that allowed surveillance capitalism to break through. And that is the idea that you could take private human experience, you could drag it into the marketplace and call it behavioral data. And then you buy it, you sell it, you create whole new markets based on selling the computational inferences and predictive analyses from behavioral data that allow interested business customers to lay bets on what we will do now, soon, and later. 
In her book, Zuboff points out what she considers to be the moment of change. Back in 2000, Larry Page and Sergey Brin had already established Google as Silicon Valley's fastest search engine. But with the bubble in dot-com investments, the duo feared that Google would join communication companies such as WorldCom, North Point Communications and Global Crossing, and online shopping services such as Pets.com, Webvan and Boo.com, and go the way of most other startups. Up until that time, Page and Brin had made no secret of their aversion to online advertising. They felt it interfered with their users' online experience. At the time, their primary concern was to provide as efficient and helpful a search engine as possible. In order to do that, they were gathering data as to our search habits, developing products such as predictive spelling to increase the speed of information delivery. And it was there that Google decided to sell advertisements associated with keyword searches. That small step for the company marked the giant leap into the age of surveillance capitalism. Just as the first three steps of commerce transformed human activity into labour, land into real estate and exchange into money, we have been transformed into raw material for tech giants. It reminds me of Harry Harrison's 1966 novel Make Room, Make Room, which was adapted to the screen in 1973 by Richard Fleischer as Solent Green. They're making our food out of people. Next thing they'll be breeding us like cattle for food. You gotta tell them. You gotta tell them. Promise, Tiger. I promise. I'll tell the exchange. You tell everybody. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell them. Silent Green is people! So, with all that going on inside of it, for an action-packed blockbuster, The Matrix runs a risky line. Not only were audiences left scratching their heads wondering what it might be all about, the same thing went for the executives at Warner Brothers. Even the film's famed producer, Joel Silver, who had already blazed a trail with the Lethal Weapon, Die Hard and Predator franchises, struggled to fully understand the concept. So much so that the Wachowskis had to put everything in a comic book form, complete with clips from corresponding films, to explain not only what was going to happen, but how it was going to happen which is why what the Wachowskis achieved is both stunning and ironic. In order to realise their vision, they had to break away from the orthodox Hollywood special effects and devise new technology to render real what was fantastical. All of which plays right back into the film's theme. Reality is an illusion, and that illusion deludes us into thinking we are free. Our own minds conspire against us, because our thoughts, i.e. the Matrix, is a construct from which we must escape. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. All that sounds incredibly depressing. So let us turn our attention to the wonders of the film. For me, the movie delivered one of the most astonishing, mesmerising and practically out-of-body experiences I've ever had in the cinema. There are some films that take you out of your head 
Others take you out of your seat. A rare film does both. For bullet time, the phenomenon of moving around an object, which itself was moving in slow motion, while we were travelling at a greater speed, was so astonishing, I found myself leaning forward and almost falling into the row in front of me. I think that is the nearest thing I will ever come to experiencing Einstein's theory of relativity. Only it is nowhere near the actual theorem. What the Wachowskis did was move us through space while the focus of our attention was not moving at all. And more than that, our time was passing at an entirely different rate as that of our subject. Film, philosophy, science, spirituality and pop culture fused into one stunning experience. <laughs>